Justin, guess what? What? I believe I can fly. Woo! I believe I can touch the sky. I think Boom. Boom. We're live. Oh, that was amazing. That was a beautiful intro. That's for you, Elaine. Oh, <laughs> goes out to you. <laughs> Hope you enjoy Space Jam. <laughs> I wonder if she's ever seen it. Uh, of course. Do you think the Irish see Space Jam? I'm Irish and I've seen it. Yeah, but you're not Irish Irish. Hey. You're Canadian Irish. Hey. Sorry, you're, I just I caressed your knee with my foot. I you're apologize. Irish light. I'm Irish light. I'm half Irish. You're like diet Irish. No, but the, <laughs> diet Irish. God, I'm pale enough already. I don't want to be diet you Irish. You are super pale. No, because half, okay, I'm half Irish, half Scottish. And the Irish half of me is a hundred percent Irish. <laughs> like, but both I'm Walsh and Kelly. Those are pretty Irish names, and I'm pale as all pale can be. <laughs> like, I I can feel the heat off incandescent light bulbs. That's how sensitive. <laughs> you my... glow in the dark whenever we go for walks. <laughs> I don't need. We don't need safety lights at night when we're walking. I could Justin just... is the safety light. He is the reflector. Yeah, when I wear shorts, we go your shorts on. Um, you can see the reflection of the headlights off my legs and shining onto the ground. One headlight. One headleg light. <laughs> <laughs> this place is cold. It feels just like a beat up truck. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like a beat up truck. Shut up. No, I'm pretty sure there's a punch. Ladies button. and gentlemen, welcome to Brains Sandwich, <laughs> the greatest podcast in the world, caressing your soul, tickling t- your booty. There you go. <laughs> tickling your booty? It is tickling thine booty. The the ear booty. <laughs> the ear booty. You know, yeah, the earlobe ear at the bottom. Yeah, that's, that's your that, ear booty. Oh, that's your ear booty? Yeah. Well, what would you consider your T- ear booty? I wouldn't consider anything in the ear a booty. Would it be like the back of the ear, like back here? Because baby got back. Baby got back. Whip my hair up back and forth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you think Elaine actually listened to the content of these episodes before she did her interview well, with us? <laughs> Elaine, if this is your first listen, you got <laughs> you, some catching up to do. You got a good episode. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> we worked at least half hour on that intro, and it was golden. <laughs> Spent way too much time. Oh, but I mean, who so doesn't like R. Kelly? Woo! I mean, when well, he's not... Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and keep this episode 90s mostly R. Kelly. clean. Yeah, 90s Headphone R. Kelly. R. Kelly you know, those big baggy jeans where he's Woo! orchestrating that gymnasium of the, people. No, just the gymnasium. Yeah, he's orchestrating a gymnasium yeah. to make music. and. Well, I'm Justin. I'm Tommy. That's for you, Corey. This is Brain Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> for episodes and more and VIP exclusives, sign up at brainsandwich.com. That's brain, S-A-M-I-C-H.com. You just go there. There's a little box where you can type in your email address and you can get our special secret. In fact, if you're listening right now, do that right now. Do it right now. Subscribe to BrainSandwich.com. Yeah, you can do it while listening to us. Yes, open a browser window, click on Google Chrome, Yeah. go to your TCP IP settings. What about... I mean, that's not really necessary. What about if you... What what about AOL? Go to your AOL. Ugh. Go to Ask Jeeves. I mean, if you're you're still an Internet Explorer user. Yeah. No, isn't it called Edge now? You need to... You probably need to download Flash or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you go there, jump jump in your email, put in your email to our email list. Jump in your email. And you get uh, free content and secret... I need email. And then you get secret unaired episodes of us just shooting the shit. Oh, Kelly. Woo! Woo. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, continue. Uh, woo? <laughs> woo. How many woos can we get into one episode? <laughs> woo. We were going to be doing soundboards and stuff like that, but that didn't really work Stop out. Stop moving your feet so much. I can't help it. I'm well, trying then to get put them, put them in a comfortable position. Mm, I'm trying a new position. Go flat. At least if you're going to move your feet, don't stomp them down on the ground. 
Is that your knee? Yes, it is. Okay. Stop touching my leg. <laughs> We're tight cramped spaces. Um, yeah, but... Ugh, no, wow, we've been like... I gotta catch my breath and catch my mind <laughs> breath. What? Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> we had some leftover R. Kelly. He's just he's he's sneaking around the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's a sneaky motherfucker. Yeah, he oh. is. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna bleep it? Gonna try and keep this episode as clean as possible. <laughs> clean, squeaky clean, because we are perfect gentlemen. Okay, we never cuss. Um, we hold doors for people. Um, we say not so- just ladies, all people. People, twenty seventeen. We're Canadian, so we hold the door unnecessarily long for people. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Where we see somebody getting out of their car and we'll still hold the door until they're... Stand there for 10 minutes while they get there. <laughs> I have... Have you ever been, like, trapped and holding the door and then people just keep coming out and coming out and coming out? <laughs> they never let you let go? No. So you just kind of... You pick a moment and you stick to it. You, you just, commit and you drop the door on somebody's face. You just want to face. do, like, the rose letting go of Jack and Titanic, but... <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and seeing a frozen... Leonardo frozen do no I'm trying to think of a funny way Leonardo froze caprios <laughs> there you go Leonardo froze capios and yeah that works <laughs> Leonardo de popsicles <laughs> oh Leonardo de popsico who's <laughs> 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 sinking down slowly into the water as Celine Dion plays what song is she singing that my heart will go on oh yeah <laughs> no, what an awkward reference <laughs> let's move this episode along chugga so that we, choo <laughs> so that we can actually get elaine's interview in here oh well yeah thanks for spoiling it for people well geez jimmy crack corn you guys are gonna like it but in the meantime let's play word of the day justin tell the people what word of the day oh, is every time every time word of the day i give justin a word mm-hmm. it's out of an obscure dictionary and I get it right every time. He does not. I have to tell. I have to come up with the definition, and uh, it's usually right. <laughs> Justin, mm. your word yes is mafic. Mafic. Would you like me to spell it? Uh, sure. Mafic. M a f f i c k. Mafic. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, Tommy, but <laughs> I'm always aware when you tell me. <laughs> but uh, this actually has some nerd origins, surprisingly oh, enough. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> Why? You sound unenthused. No, no, go ahead. No, sound more enthused. Uh, lovely. There you go. Uh, lovely, lovely. Uh, get on, get on with it. <laughs> uh, this actually originated in Marvel Comics because there's a character in the Thor universe called Malekith. And he's the uh, dark, I think he's a dark elf, yeah. And um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and basically that is a term used for whenever Malekith farts. A mafic? Yeah, he farts and he goes, oh, and then his comrades will be like, oh, damn it, Malakef, what is it again? It's mafic. Malakef maficked, 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 he maficked, he maficked again. (laughs) He's just stinking it up with all of his dark elf farts. You couldn't think of, we have an interview with a serious entrepreneur today. Well, you're the one that gave me a stupid word of the day. You could have thought of anything else. Okay. A map of Africa. (laughs) Oh, that's just, whoa, whoa, whoa. So what, who cares? Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much, it came came into use. I mean, you're partway there. It oh, is, yeah, yeah. It is tell, a verb. Tell me the def, definition. Ma- Mafic. 
Just celebrate enthusiastically. Yeah, so they celebrate enthusiastically when he farts. <laughs> well, that was an interesting word of the day. That was a quick word of the day. Usually they last a little longer than that. Uh, I want, yeah, I want Elaine to be the focus of the episode. So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? So what? Who cares? We'll get to her in a minute. But in the meantime, Justin, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? On entrepreneurs today. <clears throat> well, I think we live... Um, in a world, in a world, in a world, in a world where entrepreneurs live today. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think there is a definite increase of entrepreneurship nowadays because the, did that, I just say the, nowadays a bunch of times? I think you did. Oh, that pesky dang. millennial group of people that just they don't know what they want, so like I'm going to start a business. Well, I think there's that. And I mean, I it think, works for some. And I think there's a lot of people also that have that mentality of like. Oh well, it's tw- it's twenty seventeen. You can make a business of anything. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and have no experience whatsoever. There, I do come across some terrible businesses. And then when they fail, they're surprised that they fail. Like that's the worst part is when you see people. They're really gung ho for it too, especially like with because startup capital is so available now that anybody can apply for it and everybody's got connections. But you see some of the people going after money to fund their big business ideas, and it's. It's fascinating. Well, and it's not even necessarily big business ideas too, like uh, small businesses or whatever like that. And then you you look at them and there's clearly things that they could do to increase business and traffic and stuff like that. But they don't even try. They just get comfortable in a rut and just stick it to there. When they could easily either double or triple their profits, they just are like, no, I'm okay. Yeah. Well, I think, or even before they get out of the gate, one of my favorite terms that people use, it's kind of pejorative, but entrepreneurs, uh, like people that play business. Oh, yeah. We've met people like that. Oh, yeah. I, I was I, one when I was a kid. Yeah. W- yeah. But that's the thing. We were kids when we were, remember like the stuff that we wanted to do when oh, we were yeah. like 19 or 20? And well, that's probably because you get a lot of people straight out of college that think they can do anything. And, and they think they're the best. And then reality hits them in the face and is like, no, you have to be smart in order to be Inflated successful. egos don't do you any good in business. And I mean, only if you're filthy rich. Well, you're saying that there's a lot of people with egos in post-secondary education? I'm saying everybody in post-secondary <laughs> education has an ego. Uh, it, I think everybody that's listening kind of knows my opinion right now. I hate schooling. All forms of schooling. Well, especially because... Well, I know you've talked about this before, but the time that because you you took after college, you took some courses in where university. Yeah, yeah. I took. Well, so I after schooling, I took mostly economics and marketing classes in high school. Yeah, and then I got to post secondary college in Ontario, which is a little bit different than college in the U.S. Yeah, we have two separate colleges. Colleges and university and universities are, are very distinct yeah. here. Um, so I felt like many of the the classes and programs I took there. In college. Were, were sort of a repetition of high school. Yeah. And then when I got to American University, I felt like I was completely redoing what Canadian college, college yeah. which was a rehash of high school. <clears throat> but you had to get that little piece of paper. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Piece of paper. To this day, nobody I've worked with, not a client, not He's a business partner associate has never, oh, what college did you go to? Does it really f***ing matter? Well, and it's frustrating, too, because there, the amount of stuff that... Either you can learn easily without having to go to college or university, but because of the stupid little piece of paper, people won't take you seriously. Yeah. Like I could I could spend a whole year 
uh, reading books and watching YouTube videos and doing courses. Well, not courses because you get a piece of paper, but like just... You know what? There's a difference though between like taking courses like formalized education versus, you know what? I really like such and such a topic. I'm going to go take a course on Udemy or I'll even just look at an online course on YouTube because they are there. Yeah. And then you finish that up and you could be a genius in the general topic that you're taking. But then when you apply for a job, because it doesn't say that you took a particular university or college course, they won't even look at you twice. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And, And I think... That's where a lot of entrepreneurs are trying new things because they're sick and tired of stuff like that. Because I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there that don't have university or college educations that are successful entrepreneurs. Oh, it's because they're hustling their ass off to actually do something, contribute, make a difference, or in certain cases, make make things for people that people actually want. Yeah. Create a service or a product that people actually want to buy and value and, and versus the myriad of crap that's out there. And sometimes street smarts can go pretty far over book smarts. Like you can have, I guarantee you, you've probably gone to school with people who are super smart, but they have no social, not social skills, but... In some cases, it's true. They don't know how to socially navigate certain business scenarios because they just haven't spent enough time around those people. Like you can be really book smart in business, know all the shit you want about economics, but as soon as you get in a board meeting, you're completely A, intimidated, or B, mm-hmm. you don't know what the hell you're doing because you haven't navigated those social aspects of business first. Do you think there would be a way in colleges and universities and stuff to try and uh, break people out of that shell? Or are some people just naturally... I honestly think if post-secondary education is going to continue to exist, it needs to be reformed massively to teach actual skills that you would use in the workplace whoa 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 you mean if i go to a university and take a a, a, a course on uh the science of batman that's not going to be useful in real I, life unless you're going to work for dc comics yeah that's different and that is a real course people like but, you can actually take that course oh really in some universities in the u.s that is kind of scary yeah oh no there's tons i remember years i ago, mean it would make sense in an art credit <clears throat> i guess um but i remember years ago my i had a buddy he was a couple of years older than me and he was in university and he was talking about, he's like, no, dude, you can take courses on like the science of comic books. And even if you're like majoring in, I don't know, some kind of science, no, um, say like engineering, engineering. Yeah. Cause you got to take elective courses. Yeah. And, and because there's so few interesting elective courses out there, they, which I don't know. Do you think they should really just get rid of elect, elected courses and just, only take courses that adhere to what you're trying to study. I mean, if you're taking, for instance, taking a, a business degree, and then you have to take so many electives that are outside of the actual school yeah, of business. If I want to take all business, why can't I? I don't want to take an art program. I don't want to take a drama program. I don't want to take a, like a sociological program that's at least not tied to economics or business. Do you think universities and colleges do that because they have to try and make it quote unquote worth? Well, they your have money? to get yeah, they have to get their tuition somehow, and I guess giving people the chance to pick their courses is part of the strategy of making students happy. But the thing is, you could still make a bunch of elective courses that are geared towards the field that you're taking, like. If I'm going and like you said, if I'm taking a business course, I'm not going to want to take like a social studies program or like a art history program. Yeah, and see, that's where that's where I don't get it because if I want to like be well versed in business, let me take as much business 
related content as possible. But I find that a lot of schools don't have a, a broad spectrum of either business related courses or if you're taking an art degree, art related courses yeah. or vice versa. Like they, I know, like it, it, they're probably just trying to f- fill fill the dock. It's another way to just get government grants and, and, and yeah, and make it so that they can charge you twenty thousand dollars a year instead of taking half as many courses that are geared towards your course and charging ten thousand dollars a year. What we're saying, kids, is think a little bit harder before you throw yourself in thirty thousand dollars of debt. Yeah, don't go and take some social study. Don't get a master's or degree in social studies, and then when you come out of college hundred thousand dollars in debt and ha- being like surprised and then act surprised that you can't find a job in that field and if there's something you want to do after school that ne- not necessarily you're going to get something great out of formal education for just go do it it's well, you're better off to just find out what you want stick to that immerse yourself in it learn become passionate about it don't always follow your passions because some of your passions are really stupid, stupid. yeah really stupid but become passionate about the things you're good at because what you're good and skilled at, you can sell to people in almost any stance. There are some ridiculous things you can sell to people that I've just come across in my time in business, and it's crazy. Well, I remember a couple of years ago, I had uh, a job interview for an insurance salesperson. I think it was an insurance salesperson. Um, and I remember, because I am good at selling things, but uh, the lady asked me, she's like, are you comfortable with uh, cold calling people and selling things to like even your family members and stuff like that? And I said, well, I don't really know. And then I did the interview and then I went home and I thought about it. And I'm like, no, I can't. I couldn't justify doing it because I can only, I'm good at selling things that I know and I and I enjoy. Like I was really good at selling video games or I'm really good at selling comic books or I'm good at selling movies and, and stuff like that because I know about them and I'm interested in them. Whereas I would I know I would have sucked horribly at trying to sell insurance because I don't give a shit about insurance and I think insurance is stupid, first of all. so At I, least the way it's regulated here. Well, in that particular job at the time, I, uh, for the first couple of months, I would have to pay to work there. Oh, one of those. Yeah, because yeah. you have to have a portfolio, but you have to pay for the storage fee of the portfolio. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, for the first couple months, you have to like pay a fee and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that's the same with re- re- realtors too. Mutual like, ins- or not mutual, mutual funds, insurance brokers. Insurance, yeah. It, yeah. it was stupid. Financial advisors. Um, so stupid. But yeah, like like Tommy said, find something that you're interested in. Find that something that you can sell that you're interested in and sell the heck out of it. So being in that point, we'll kind of shift over to our guest. Her name is Elaine Heaney. Mm -hmm. She went, started a business. She started from the bottom. Now she's here. Now she's here. (laughs) (laughs) She went and grew a t-shirt business, an on-demand t-shirt distribution business to $120,000 in revenue in 10 months because she was fucking sick of what she was doing and just... Basically working to please the man, mm-hmm. the government, all this shit. Oh, and it was a fun interview. We uh, we talked to her uh, for a good, what, 20 minutes to a half hour? 25, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she was super nice, super cool. Got a wicked awesome accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I tried to keep myself from doing Irish accents because, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to offend her or anything like that. I'm sure she wouldn't be offended. I think she would have been okay. But, you know, it was our first interview. I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> 
but she was great. She was very helpful with us. I think she could tell that we were new to it. So she was doing a lot of the talking, which we appreciated. <laughs> well, it's, and it's kind of good because honestly, she's on the podcast. We had her on because we want her to discuss what she's doing and what she's working on. And I think a, the mark of a good interview is letting the guest who is supposed to be the focus. Mm-hmm. Let them be the focus. Well, that's what you don't see in a lot nowadays is like whenever you watch TV um, and see like late night shows or whatever, they never really talk about the person. They just obviously plug whatever they're selling. Well, and that's why podcasts, in my opinion, and many people say this are superior to TV because when you put on a late night TV segment, you get two and a half minutes to shove mm-hmm. your shit wherever. Well, and that's why we loved Craig Ferguson so much is because he would literally just sit with the people Spend and the talk. entire episode just shooting the shit. Yeah, and that's... I think we try to to channel our inner Craig Ferguson when we're when we're talking with people and and talking to each other and stuff like that. Screw like particular selling topics or whatever, just have fun. Yeah. That being said, I hope you guys enjoy this first interview with Elaine Heaney and we'll just let it do its own speaking well, for itself. I just realized, did we even introduce ourselves? <laughs> I'm Tommy. I'm Justin. Here's Elaine. Thanks. Could you just give us a little primer into who you are and what it is you're doing right now? My name is Elaine Heaney. I'm I'm from Ireland. And about a year, just over a year, well, no, I guess a year ago at this stage, I started creating T-shirts and uploading them and selling them on Amazon through a new program that Amazon started in late September 2015. It's a new program called Merch by Amazon. And what this program does is that it... Um, it's free, first of all, so you can sign up for free at merch.amazon.com and you apply for an invite there. Once you get invited in, then what you can do is you can upload about 10 different designs from your computer. Now, you can make them yourself on your computer, maybe if you've used Canva or PicMonkey or Photoshop before, so you can just do them yourself. You can hire a designer. You can even make them on your iPhone if you want. So you upload, um, I think, a max of 10 designs. It kind of changes every so often. And these get... Uh, put onto t-shirts on Amazon. So if you go to amazon.com, maybe an hour or two later, and type in the name of your t-shirt, you'll actually see it on amazon.com. It looks just like a normal, like a real life t-shirt. So if somebody comes across the the t-shirt on Amazon and they decide to buy it, you can also set what price you want. So a really good price is like $19.99. So if someone looks at your t-shirt on Amazon and decides to buy it, um, they they buy it on Amazon.com. Amazon have these huge fulfillment centers just like full of T-shirts and T-shirt printing machines. So they grab a T-shirt off the shelf, they put it into the printer, they print your picture on the T-shirt, and then they send it out to the person. And for every T-shirt that I sell for about $20, I make about $7 profit. So it's crazy. Like my work stops after I upload the T-shirt. I don't have to do any marketing. I don't have to do advertising. All my sales have been organic. Um, I don't have to buy any inventory. It's like Amazon FBA, but without all the bad parts of FBA. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Like, how did you come across the whole Amazon thing in the first place? Purely by accident. I was doing Amazon FBA and I was in a couple of different Facebook groups talking about, you know, inventory and shipping and what Amazon was changing and all this kind of stuff. Um, and someone just randomly wrote a, a post in one of these groups saying that Amazon had this new um, platform maybe here's the link if anyone's interested. So I clicked on the link and I saw that Amazon were doing print on demand and there was no cost and they would just put your designs 
in front of like all of their crazy traffic that's on Amazon.com for free. And if it sells, they'll pay you money. I was like, well, that's a no brainer. I'm going to get started as quick as I can. Was it something you kind of always sort of wanted to do? Because when we were doing preliminary research, we kind of came across that you kind of, you have your hands in a little bit of everything. So I was kind of curious to see how you specifically settled on this one. This one you see, there's kind of there's lots of opportunities that you can do, but I started off. I used to have a proper job, and I worked in an office in the city in Dublin, and um, that was about four and a half years ago. I think was when I I finally quit. But my my issue there was that I was working as a project manager, and I could see ahead of me that if I wanted to progress in the company and be like a senior project manager or something, number one, I get like I don't know. I don't know how much the how ex, how much extra money would be, but it wouldn't be worth it. And number two, I would have no life. I could see my bosses like answering emails at two in the morning and all this kind of crazy stuff. So I just figured out it wasn't for me. So I first dipped my toe into this. Um, again, it, yeah, it was by accident. A friend of mine came over one day. He was a programmer, and he was like, "Elaine, look at this app." And I was like, "Stuart, okay, what's what's this?" So he said, "I I made an app. I made a, a quiz app on my iPhone. I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't know what an app was. I I didn't know any of this." And I'm like, "Okay." So he's then he said, "Guess how much money I'm making with this app every week?" It was a really basic quiz app. So I was like, Stuart, I don't know. How much money are you making with this app every week? He was like, $200, delighted with himself. I'm like, that's crazy. So yeah, that was at the back of my head. So I'm I'm really curious and I like the idea of kind of making something once and selling it like many times, which is, I, yeah, I was corrupted with that methodology <laughs> when, I, when I read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book a couple of years ago. And I was like, that's such a smart way to do it. But I, I couldn't figure out how to actually apply it. So then, yeah, so then he was telling me about the apps. And I was like, OK, I'm going to figure it out. So I went home one Christmas and I booted up my computer Christmas Eve. And I, I, I typed into Google how to make an app because like he, he, he was a programmer. I'm not a programmer. I can't do that stuff. But I thought there has to be some easy way for like, you know, idiots like me to make a really basic app, like a drag and drop thing that, you know, choose your color and put your text in and it's all good. It wasn't quite that easy, but I, I stopped for an hour on Christmas Day to have Christmas dinner. But other than that, I was at my computer for all of Christmas and I, I published my first app on New Year's Eve um, at about like five to midnight when everyone else was partying. No, I was working <laughs> at my computer publishing my app. So yeah, that's what got me going. I was working, I continued just working in my normal job. And for the next six months, I was kind of doing a bit in the evenings and the weekends, not crazy stuff, but I ended up uploading about 30 different apps and then work got busy. I had to kind of forget about it. But that year I made like $12,000 um, profit because I, I, no, I had no costs because I was just doing DIY with this free builder is free at the time. I know you, you've done many apps and we've seen some of them on uh, the different play stores and stuff. Do you remember what your first one was and how it kind of performed? Uh, my first one, I put up an Android because I to make uh, an Apple app, I needed a Mac computer and I didn't have one. So my first one was Android. It was a horse app because I was kind of doing a little bit of horse teaching at the time. So I had a website with horse stuff on it, like educational horse stuff. So I was like copying and pasting. Um, I don't remember exactly what horse app it is, but um, but yeah, it was one of the first ones. It was on Android, so it probably made like hardly any money, I'm pretty sure, because <laughs> yeah. none of my Android apps really did work. But my iPhone apps, then, I put the same ones then up on iPhone. I went and bought a secondhand Mac for 550 euros. Didn't even buy a new one. I was like, no, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm not spending money. 
So yeah, I bought a second hand one and then about a month or so into it, I started to figure out that side of it and then started to put it up on iPhone and then things got a lot more interesting. Well, when you started the whole app and t-shirt kind of thing, was there any particular goal that you set for yourself or did you just kind of roll with it? Um, no, I didn't set any goals. Like, well, I guess like the main goal I had for the app thing was to see if, well, I was, I was just curious because I just thought making something once selling it, you know, a month. basically I was lazy and I didn't actually want to stay in an office job for the rest of my life because it just didn't sound like a lot of fun. So I was trying to figure out an alternative. So I guess my alternative was to see, could I actually do some kind of business myself or make something myself that would earn me enough money every month that I could actually quit my job. So that was my main goal after I had no idea though, that I'd actually really enjoy it. Like that, I didn't figure out that side of it for a while. Um, yeah, so no, my, my goal now, so now I'm doing, yeah, the print on demand t-shirts and Amazon and I'm like all of these things. I don't know. I get really, when I find out about a new opportunity, like the apps or like Amazon FBA or merch by Amazon and I read about it and I see how it could come together. I don't know what it is. Like I never think, Oh, maybe it won't work. I just get so excited. I'm like, oh my God, and I'm Googling and I'm crazy and I'm jumping on my computer and like, you know, just, you know, I, I go, I don't know what it is. I just get this excitement because I love learning and then I like to execute really, really quickly. So yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't even know what you would call it, <laughs> to be honest. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it kind of sounds like you sort of jumped in with both feet and didn't have uh, too many doubts on yourself in the beginning. No, I don't have any doubts because I think I'm happy to try any of this kind of stuff. I don't really care if it works or not, to be honest, because if it doesn't work, I learn something or it'll lead me to something else or I'll figure out something that will be useful in the future. And there's there's lots of stuff I can do. And if it does work, you know, fantastic, I'll keep doing it. So no, the, the not working doesn't really bother me because I just know I'm going to keep going until I figure out what does work. So was there a point when you kind of uh, noticed that there was a shift and things were really starting to move or grow or you were really onto something? Um, for for the apps when I was starting off, yeah, that happened when I quit my job and I was three months into my business. I'd kind of given myself three or four months over that first summer to see could I figure it out. And if I couldn't, I was going to just kind of put it on the back burner and go and get a normal job again. And what happened at the end of that August early September is one of the apps I did. It was a really, really silly app. But for some reason, I don't even know why it ended up as the number one free entertainment app in the UK and in Australia. And I was like, Oh, my God, I must be doing something right. <laughs> so yeah, that was the thing that made me actually realize, okay, I, you know, I'm on the right path. I still wasn't making a ton of money or anything. But that I had figured out kind of how things worked. And I just need to focus on it more and do more of what I was still doing. So, Well, w while you were developing apps or trying new things, were there any significant failures that kind of taught you a good lesson about what not to do? There's a few issues with the apps, I guess. At the beginning, I wasn't used to outsourcing. And so I had to find like developers and artists because I can't draw and I can't code. So I had, to <laughs> I had to find them. And when I was just starting off, because I'd never had to fire anybody before. And so Initially, I was a little, little bit hesitant if people weren't really doing the work or they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Elaine, my cat died, so I missed the deadline, <laughs> but I'll have it done like on, on Tuesday. I was like, oh, okay. But eventually I was just like, this is ridiculous. So yeah, I've, I've probably, I, I did every time, like every time something doesn't work or there's, I make a mistake, like I go and fix it and I learn from it. So it's actually funny. Like my friends tease me. I'm like the world's best person at firing people. <laughs> like, 
if if anyone is if there's any little funny thing or like a weird tone in an email or they're like oh i don't know if i can make it i'm just like you're gone fired see you bye <laughs> on to the next but but the result of that was that i had such a good team by the end of it and everyone thought i was crazy but i don't think i was <laughs> <laughs> now was that something that you sort of uh, kind of had to learn to do as you were kind of in the trenches of the business, or do you feel like you were just naturally a person that could cut people loose? <laughs> <laughs> what a question! Um, no, I had to, I had to I had to figure out that I had to do it in order to grow my business, and that was my main goal was to grow my business because I didn't want to go back to this office job. So by kind of tolerating people who were really like, I mean, they were obviously not doing the work and obviously just messing me about. That was damaging my business, which in turn was was damaging my future, which would mean I'd have to go and just give up this dream and go back to an office job. So I just got fed up and I was like, right, fired, 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 hired the next five people. Because we we live in a world, or at least in Canada, at least where it's like you can never fire anybody, or you it's very frowned upon. Yeah, or you're automatically considered horrible if you have to fire somebody because they're not doing their job. Which you know what. When, if somebody's not doing their job, kick them out. Like, <laughs> it's the refreshing way to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a stupid approach. Just get rid of them. Yeah, exactly. They're obviously not enjoying it either if they're not bothered to do it. So you're actually doing them a favor because they can move on to something they're more suited to. Like they're not, they're obviously not happy either. Yeah, you got to weed out the people who are just holding you back or 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 weighing you down as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it for your business. Like that's that's the job of a good CEO. Exactly. Um. I was actually just kind of wondering that while you're in the midst of the growth stages, you know, firing lots of people, <laughs> um, was there any like uh, sort of strange or outside the box marketing approaches you took to try and see if you could expand things? Um, I did try different things. The three businesses that I've done so far, so the apps selling physical goods on Amazon and now selling t-shirts on Amazon, you get into groups and people do say, okay, you should try building up, you know, I don't know, huge followings on Facebook. You should try doing running Facebook ads. You should try sending out press releases. That was the most ridiculous one I'd ever heard. I did try it, though. Um, and try all these different things, whereas in reality, like any of the things that I've or the things that I've done that have been successful, definitely like in the initial stages and in the growth stages. Now, maybe it's different when you have everything set up and ticking over nicely, and then you can look to kind of the more extended things like social media and all that kind of stuff. But initially, like when you're starting, when you're growing, the best piece of of like marketing advice I can give is to really kind of figure out the platform. Like for the App Store, it was um, App S or App Store optimization which was a really, really critical thing as to what keywords you used and how your graphics were displayed. Um, and like for any of the platforms I'm working on, really getting to know the platform is the most effective marketing that I've done for any of my, my businesses. And definitely other things, why they might sound interesting and exciting, they're more nice to have if you have some time and capacity. They're not what worked really well for me initially. Well, and that sort of stands in contrast to what everybody's kind of pushing now in the sense that you have to be on every platform and you have to be sort of a jack of all trades but a master of none whereas it seems like you have a pretty strong understanding of where you want to be and where you want to focus all your attention and put your best resources to kind of use well i think you can test it as well like this this is what works for me but it's because i'm always selling on a third party platform that has a ton of traffic so if i was just selling on my own website and i had zero traffic then yeah, I'm going to have to look at lots of stuff like getting, you know, paying for ads or doing, um, I don't know, like writing guest blog posts or doing like Pinterest 
pins or something like that. So that, that's a different kind of model. If you're building up your own traffic, you've got to go down and be creative and do these other things. But I think if you're selling on a huge platform where like that's where your products are, like first just for the first step, anyway, figure out the platform and then go and do your, your other things after it. Hmm. Um, so when we were doing some research, uh, our prep for the interview and we were kind of doing some research about yourself, we noticed that you kind of have, or you've tried a lot over the years, like the horses and then apps and then consulting and and stuff like that. Are, are you the sort of person that always has to be working on something new or trying something new or, or, or do you just enjoy, uh, those types of things? Um, I definitely, I think like a lot of people, I have the shiny ob- object syndrome. Nice. <laughs> so I see something and I'm like, ooh, look at that over there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there is, there is a touch of that. All right. And when my business kind of gets to a certain level and it's all kind of running and then I, like I go to conferences every now and again, and you're at that and the speaker talks about something that you'd never heard of before and then you're on google and you're like it's like that you know that christmas when i was typing in how to make an app i just, just get excited and i go and want to do it so yeah there there is a bit of that yeah it just kind of sparks your imagination and, and gets you interested in a new new topic that you well like you said earlier you love learning so when you hear something new and cool you kind of want to just dive in feet first yeah, I do. I just see see them all as like mini adventures. And so when the next mini adventure appears, and I have no idea when it's going to appear, then I'm, I just tend to kind of jump on the train and get going. So is there something right now that's sort of catching your eye that you might kind of uh, go off in for a bit or test? Or are you pretty much uh, kind of at a point where you're sticking to what you know right now and you're kind of, you've got something good going and that's what you're focusing all your attention on? Yeah, the t-shirts are definitely really good right now. Um, what I did learn, though, I guess from doing a couple of different businesses is that you also you always need to keep a little bit of headspace. So if something interesting does come along that you, you're, it's not that you're working 14 hour days and you're like, oh, I just can't do it. I have so much stuff to do. Just park it. I look at it in two months or something. So I think, yeah, the biggest one of the biggest lessons for me is just having like extra time in my day that I'm not stuck at a computer, that I have some capacity if something does come along saying that um I haven't spotted anything at the minute. Merch seems to be seems to be like the thing for now, for sure. But um, but yeah, I'm always looking. I'm always aware of even though I have a business now to date that's running really, really well. I'm always still just keeping an eye out in the Facebook groups and podcasts and things as to like, what's the next thing that I should that I need to know about. So, yeah, it's on my radar. I just need to find it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, in the next like five to 10 years, where do you see yourself? Do you want to in some kind of new venture or just kind of really working hard at what you're doing now and just seeing if that can grow itself? I will, I'll probably be just continuing doing what I'm doing now and not the t-shirt thing because I'll probably, I have seen like three or four different shiny objects between now and then and (laughs) I'll have like jumped on a couple of more trains. But I think in general, like I really like the structure my life has at the minute because, you know, if you're working for yourself, I can wherever I want. I was in, in Spain and then I was over in Austin for a conference there before Christmas and back in Ireland for Christmas. And now I've been in Spain for five weeks and I'm popping over to Dallas in about two weeks. So like that kind of freedom, like that's the goal for me, that kind of 
freedom that I can work like work really hard like when I have time and when I need to but then the flip side the whatever whatever business I'm working on I can outsource a lot of it once I have it set up like the, the hardest work is always beginning trying to figure it out and do it yourself and then train up people to help you but um but yeah that's my goal is just to whatever I'm doing that I have time for myself for travel time for you know family stuff friends and that I set up my work so it kind of it, it balances my life, not that I just work and try and fit my life in around it. Well, it seems like it kind of stands in, you stand a little bit in contrast to what kind of, I guess, the conventional wisdom would be to the, I guess, the working situation of most people today. They kind of frown on the kind of freedom life entrepreneurial thing. And um, that's kind of something we talk about a lot. But have you noticed kind of a better work-life balance for you going the route that you're going now than, say, when you were stuck in your usual routine? Yeah, absolutely. Even just in terms of like health and posture. So when I was working in in the office, like I'd be sitting at my computer, just a normal desk for like seven, eight hours every day and wasn't particularly eating healthily. Um, yeah, so it wasn't good. Comparing that to now, so the most I'm at my computer is probably like an hour or two and then I take a break and then every day I usually like take a few hours off in the middle of the day and every day I have this Fitbit. I actually got a new one today because my old one broke, but I have this Fitbit. So I do 10,000 steps like during the middle of the day, every single day takes, I don't know, just under an hour and a half. But while I do that, I actually listen to about an hour and a half of business podcasts. So I'm being healthy and my posture has improved, like my health has improved and um, I'm still like getting an education while I'm going and walking. Then I come back because I've got all these new crazy ideas and different things I heard on different podcasts and I have to implement them. So, no, it's definitely, yeah, made me a lot healthier, which is a really nice benefit, too. So for sort of entrepreneurial uh, minded people that are listening, I find that they're always sort of interested in kind of knowing hacks, tricks, tasks, that sort of uh, stuff. Could you describe sort of, you know, in very brief, what your typical day is and how you go about accomplishing what you do absolutely um so i always get eight hours sleep a night <laughs> i <laughs> yeah i wake up in the morning not particularly early i'm not one of these people that wakes up at 5 a.m and like does an hour of meditation two hours of journaling throws yourself into some kind of freezing cold pool and then i don't know eats like bird seed or something i don't do any of that so i get up at a, a normal hour and i'm usually so excited because i'm trying to like see what happened when i was asleep like how did the business go did i sell so i literally bounce out of bed and log on to my computer and just start work for like an hour or two i usually finish finish up work by um the main um batch of my work by uh before lunch anyway and then i'm in spain at the minute so i'll go out for lunch uh, then I will just yeah go for a walk, possibly sit on the beach for a while. The weather's quite nice over here and just kind of hang out for the afternoon and listen to the business podcast, learn some stuff. And then in the evening, maybe for dinner. And if I have any things I want to catch up on the computer in the evening, do that then. Well, is there anything like outside of your own personal business that really gets you going and motivates you? Like when you're going on the walks or happen to be listening to any particular podcasts, is there anything that really gets you going and motivated to really work hard? Uh, no, it it probably sounds weird, but like at the back of it, I'm a really lazy person. <laughs> but in order to have a situation where I don't have to like go and be places and you know get into offices at nine in the morning or whatever, I have to work hard to enable that to be 
a reality. So no, what what I'm really passionate about is is horses. I'm completely horse crazy, and that was another reason I really didn't like my job in the city because it was like three hours away from my horse, and there was no uh, way the horse was coming to the city. And the only job I could get was in the city in Dublin. Like there was no jobs for what I did down the country, so that was a bit of an issue for me as well. So yeah, when I'm not uh, working or whatever, my yeah my main passion is is horse riding. I'm actually going to Australia in about yeah a month and a half then as well to um to do some courses over there. Um, so for people that are kind of like-minded to you, uh, maybe haven't stepped outside the nine to five yet, you know, college students, youth, what sort of one piece of advice you think you could impart to them to kind of reach that next level that you're kind of going for? A really good piece of advice is to start doing something on the side in the evenings and the weekends. Turn off your television. That's just a useless piece of machinery in your, in your house. So get rid of that. And um, start start listening to business podcasts, start walking 10,000 steps every day and download like, yeah, this show and other shows that you're interested in. Just go through a ton and, and see what people are talking about, see what appeals to you. That would give you so many ideas. Um, and then start doing something in the evening, but start something that doesn't need a lot of money. Because um, I tried like a few different things. I'd written books and I'd put up like a couple of websites. None of them worked, really. But um the they they got me doing stuff they got me learning they were like stepping stones to other things and then because i didn't lose money like i was just you know it was just my time which was fine but i was learning so start something on the side throw away the television um yeah and just like there's no point wishing that your life was different if you actually don't go and put a bit of effort into it and get some stuff done so you're definitely about the uh the actions and less about the thought just kind of jump in and do it yeah, jump in and do it. What are you waiting for? Go for it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, so for anybody that's listening right now, we are just kind of wondering, what are you working on at this moment? And where is the best place for our listeners to find you that we can refer them to? Sure. So working on two things. Uh, the main business is selling T-shirts on Amazon. And if you're interested in that, you can go to merch.amazon.com, request an invite there. I've also, about three months ago, started a podcast all about how uh, how I'm getting on selling T-shirts on Amazon. So if you want tips and strategies about how you can get started and grow a business there. And I also interview other sellers that do Merch by Amazon so you can hear their stories. So the podcast is Merch Entrepreneur Podcast. And then the website with that is Merch entrepreneur.com Brain Sandwich is produced and edited by us Tommy and Justin If you want to hear more episodes check out our website at brainsandwich.com That's brain S-A-M-I-C-H dot com You'll be able to find links to our social pages such as Twitter and Facebook So come say hi We always reply Also remember to give us a review on iTunes It helps out the show a lot and we really appreciate it Lastly if you want to listen to special unaired or hidden episodes of Brain Sandwich you can sign up for our free mailing list on our site We'll also be giving away exclusive perks and rewards 